You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Today's episode is brought to you in part by I'm getting into cryptocurrency trading, but I want to learn a little more about it. So I decided to check out edX, and guess what? They have a course in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, available through one of the many courses they offer online. And the best part is I can choose to audit the class or pursue a verified certificate for it. With edX, you can learn just about anything you want from how to code to learning a foreign language. The breadth of their class selection is honestly mind-boggling. If there's anything you have been wanting to pursue to further your career or knowledge base, and you want to learn from a reputable source, then you have to check out edX. Right now, you can get a 10% discount for signing up on any purchases you make by going to edX.org forward slash nerds. That's edx.org forward slash nerds. Happy learning. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and your host for this week's podcast is Ryan. She is interviewing two fantastic guests. Our first guest is independent director Trey Haley. Season two of his hit crime drama, The Family Business, premiered July 2nd on BET+. It is based on the New York Times best-selling novel of the same name from 24 times New York Times best-selling author Carl Weber. Sometimes referred to as The Black Sopranos, the series stars... Ernie Hudson, Valerie Pettiford, Derry DeWitt Henson, Javicia Leslie, also known as the next Batwoman, Tammy Roman, and more. Our next segment features actor Bethany Antonia. She is known as Margot Rivers in the Netflix thriller series Get Even. Adapted from the popular book series Don't Get Mad by Gretchen McNeil, the show follows a group of four high school girls from DGM, Don't Get Mad, a group determined to expose bullies at their school. When one of their targets is suddenly murdered, the girls realize someone is trying to frame them and set out to uncover the truth. Bethany is the scene stealer as Margot, a shy new student in the brains behind the DGM operation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And as you probably have guessed, you know, unless you've just been hiding from it, we're still in the COVID-19. We're still hanging out in the pandemic. So nine times out of 10, you're probably trying to figure out what you're going to watch on the streaming service. You know, what movies are out right now. And at the same time, Things are being canceled and pushed back. But every once in a while, you can find like a little project, a little indie project that slides through that you can check out that may wouldn't have got the tension in the past, in the past Hollywood, because um, we're reinventing these days. Um, and so that got me thinking. I'm like, well, is indie are indie projects the new thing now for Hollywood? Can that be a new formula for how Hollywood can film? Because they're used to the smaller budgets. They're used to making things work. But you don't have to take my word for it. I do have an expert with me today. My guest today is um, indie director Trey Haley, and he has had quite the influence on BT Plus, if you see where I'm going with that. <laughs> he also has a series, The Family Business, 
Always a Bridesmaid, which features the v, uh, Javicia, which you guys know, by the way, is going to be Batwoman. So I had that inner, my inner nerd had to point that out. That's right. And um, his his my favorite project of his that he's directed is called Note to Self. Wow. It's like a really cute romance movie. Like, I don't know if you guys have checked this out. It has Christian Keys, um, Latoya Luckett. I just, it's so, it's so dope. I love it. I didn't know he, I didn't know you directed this tray and I just had to get out a little shout out because that's one of my favorites. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you take it away. I've been talking enough. I no, just wanted no, to, no, I just no, wanted no, to key no, you up you. there. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, yeah, note to self, we shot that several years ago on, um, actually Christian actually wrote that movie christian keys actually wrote oh wow yeah. okay so that was a cool one to do you know like you said eva was in that eva um pickford and i mean that was a really fun movie to do that was um yeah it looked like a lot of fun like i was I always wanted like but see you never know i guess and i'll get we'll get uh, um hopefully we can get a little secrets from you and tips on how you've kind of navigated the industry but you never know when you're going to get another one of those projects but to me it was so cute that i would have wanted a second one but yeah. you never know what's going on you know with that kind of stuff and you know that world in hollywood and everything right. right right no no you know um you know what that one just it was just that one note to self and there really wasn't yeah. like a part two ever really created for it but right right um sometimes we get the part two sometimes it's just it's like you know it's like even always a bridesmaid people keep asking is there gonna be a part two to this you know yeah so, you know Eve, Yvette Nicole Brown wrote that movie and that she's now you know it's made her think maybe we should make a part two well like you know what would that part yeah two yeah so. Right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's cool. But yeah, so you have a lot of a lot of projects going, which is really dope. Um, cause you kinda like I, I think it's really cool, um, your career, by the way, when I was researching, because you you're kind of you're you're kind of under the radar, but not necessarily like you're hiding stuff. It's just that Hollywood has this weird way of like certain things are out there as we know. Yeah, yeah. You know, um it it's it's one of those things I think as we continue to go. Yeah. We like let the work speak for itself. You know, a lot of people right, here right. now they know what we do. They see what we do. We also we consider ourselves an indie studio and meaning like we, you know, from locations to our resources out here in Los Angeles to the relationships we have with distributors and allowing ourselves to be in positions to where we still have ownership within our property that we create and collaborate with networks or distributors where we both own the property together, you know, like it's a 50, mm -hmm. 50 or, or licensing deals where we bring in the capital too, so that we have some create, you know, more creative input into this, what we're making so that we can right. feel good about the outcome of these projects as well. Um, and do you feel, I guess going off um, to what I was saying off the top, do you feel, cause I feel in my opinion, indie projects could kind of give a roadmap or, or a blueprint for how they could go about filming because I know everybody's big question is, how are they going to finish a lot of these Absolutely. TV shows? You know, okay. how are they going to finish these movies? Because you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys deal with on a daily basis, okay, budgets. How am I going to get this done with this little better? You know, right. um, these amount of actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, look, like we we always say, you know, we, we, we do our best, the quality, you know, every new project, you know, we just make sure our we're growing and building and building on the, on the level. Mm -hmm. We can make sure that our actors are excited about working. But the big thing for us is giving people roles that they don't often get. Mm. I think that's one of our things. You know, when we cast, we look for opportunities to give people unique, like we say, hey, well, you know what? This person may be interested in this role because they've never done this before, you know? Right. So instead of looking at somebody and saying they will never do it, they may actually do it because they've never done it before. Kind of like the Halle Berry scenario with Monsters Ball, Right. Nobody mm, thought yeah. she'd do that role because of who she was at the time as far. Well, you know, obviously they didn't even consider her at first for this. But then mm -hmm. her passion to play something so different placed her into this situation. So it's a lot of actors here that are just, they're always been put in a box. They're doing the same thing. You see them doing those same, you know, sometimes you say, man, they're always doing the same role. Well, it's not that it's that they just want to do the same role. That's what they're being presented to them a lot of times. Well, right. what you take you flip it, say, hey, I know you do that. That's your bread and butter. But here's a scenario, you know, maybe we pay you half of what you get, <laughs> but right, right. But it now is going to show you the value mm -hmm, to them is mm -hmm. it showing you something different. So now you can walk away from this and people can say, wow, I didn't ever see this person like that before, you know, which expands. Right, exactly. So it's about also 
giving people, adding value. That's what, you know, our, we're a collaborative company. We love, like, whether it's behind the scenes or front of the scenes, we're always in the collaboration and making sure we have a win-win scenario with everybody we work, work with. But then when this COVID scenario, as you were just saying, it's also about, you know, we're, we're about to go back into filming at the end of the month. And to, mm, we, I didn't know that. Okay. In the middle of a family business, we were shooting the show. We were six episodes in and we got shut down due to COVID. But we're about to go in and finish the rest probably around the end of August now. It looks like around the end of August to finish this up. But we're actually going to do similar to what the, the Tyler formula, too, that we feel is put people mm, okay. in a bubble. The NBA. Yeah, yeah. So we want to put people in locations, put our crew and cast, you know, in a safe environment. Where, and they're going to be tested two to three times a week as well. Um, and then everybody will be good. So we've been looking at locations and figuring out all the spaces we're going to get that only we have complete control of. Nobody else can come in these locations before we shoot it. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're really locking it down and trying to figure it out. But it's definitely, um, you know, some some projects have more people in it than others. They need more like per, it's the people. It's the amount of people that you have to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. Be, that's the tough part, you know? And mm-hmm. these, these COVID tests, man, expensive. They're like $200, $150. Yeah, these, $100. yeah it's $100. crazy. $100. You know, like the amount of time you're waiting. Yes, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's there's crazy. A lot of, there, yeah, there's going to be a lot of other unique elements that we have to add into this. But, you know, we, we, um, we feel good about where we are right now. And we have a really solid plan. So, you know, we, we and I and I believe we've already discussed about documenting this process as well, too. So, you know. Oh, that'll be cool. Be yeah, guys, look out for that. Yeah. COVID experience. What is like in the bubble. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. You know. Oh, and I'm about to get in. And um, by the way, I'm getting ready to get into family business. But before that, I want to go back to because um, you mentioned a couple times you're the president of um, Tridescent Studios. Yeah. Talk a little bit about because I always like to do this just for people, you know, up and coming, trying to figure it out. How did you get how did that come about for you? How did you know, OK, I want to have my own studio like you're talking about yeah. going. That's very important. Having owning 50 percent of what you create is very important, yeah. I think, especially, you know, millennial. I'm a millennial for the younger generation to be able to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's important. Ownership is important. You got to find your wins. Everything we've done, we don't have. The, you know, when we started, it was a little different. It's always, I always use sports, unfortunately. Right? And it's like, I always use sports because I feel like we all can understand that. When you come yeah, in, yeah. look, you got a Zion, great talent, but he's mm-hmm. not going to get what LeBron gets at first. Right. So right, you know, right. you know, we know the, the potential is huge, but that's what you have to do. You got to get in, show your value, you know? Show people what mm-hmm. you can do. Bring the bring the value to the table. It's not always, I mean, obviously we want to get fed, but you got to figure out how to have multiple, create multiple streams of income for yourself while you're going after your passion or losing these. Like I, I could edit, right? Editing was my yeah. for a long time. So what I could edit people's reels. I could edit a, a, a demo visual for, or a teaser video for someone who was going to pitch something, a pitch video. Those were different ways of income creating income for myself while we were building the company, you know? Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So, so some people have diff- different, we all have different things we can do. Sometimes that talent will, that that one number one talent will feed you at, at the, t- you know, but for me, I knew directing, but editing is part of directing to me, you know, it's, it's in that world. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm still yeah. doing what I love to do. So I say that to say, when we started Tridestin Studios, my business partner, Indy Brown Jones and myself, we wanted to create a place we say is the, the, the motto is destined to change the perception of the world. That was the goal. Oh, okay, right? yeah. That's our motto. Mm-hmm. Called it Try Destined Studios. We spoke it as if it what we saw it to be. We didn't minimal, mm-hmm. you know, minimal, minimalize our um minimize the look, this the name of our company just because right. we started small. Say so speak it mm, as if I it like is. I like that, yeah. Right? Speak it as if it is. And then your vision shall come to pass. So we always knew where we wanted to go. Um, and we always knew that ownership ultimately was the goal and being you know, involved in it. So like I said, some projects were 50% ownership. Family business actually is a licensing deal and we're with, with, with BET. So we actually, us as well as with Carl Weber, who created the series, you know, it's based on a mm-hmm. New York Times bestselling book that he, yeah. so us and Carl together teamed up and we actually like 
brought that to BET, but we had it a large portion of it filmed for the first season. So that that also once once again we brought the value. We showed people what what the value was. Some you know sometimes you're walking in these rooms, presenting it to whatever whatever business you're in. You're pitching an idea, an idea. Uh, you know how many people we know. You've heard the saying. Everybody's yeah. got an idea. Somebody mm-hmm, in Nebraska mm-hmm. got an idea. They got an idea that's a billion dollar idea, but they go, it's gonna be in it's gonna be just sitting with them because yeah. ideas don't move. Action makes things move, right? So absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the smallest idea can be a a million dollar idea just off of action. And somebody else mm-hmm. can have a billion dollar idea and doing nothing with it, right? So that billion dollar idea is great, but the action always is just the proof in the it's the proof in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. So I, that's what I always tell people. It's not, you know, it, there's going to be, everybody has a different path to get where they're going to go. There's a hundred different ways to break in as an actor, as a director, as a filmmaker, I mean, as a producer, whatever it is you want to be, you know, cinematographer. If you have a company you run and run, you know, like even a newspaper or a, I mean, there's no newspapers anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like magazines, online, yeah, magazines, yeah, whatever. Right, exactly, yeah. It's action, like what you're doing now with your, you know, with what you're doing, with your site, with everything that mm-hmm. you do with your podcast and all this action. You know how many people talk about doing a podcast? Talk, talk, talk. Talk is cheap. So that's what It I, is. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Really it's it's real talk right now. Yeah. Talk is cheap. I know so many people, man. It's just everybody always coming up with ideas, but doing nothing with it. So yeah, that, yeah, is, that is absolutely start. true. Yep. But then the other start is collaborating with like-minded people, building a team around you. You cannot mm-hmm. be an yep. island and make it by yourself you will survive but i use this analogy think about an island and think about a yep. and think about a bridge to another island right if you only have mm-hmm. you, know, you may have one bridge to a strong island a big island that can help funnel a lot of stuff to your island that could be possible but what if you had five bridges what does that do strong relationship exactly. yep. mm-hmm. you're bringing more value to back and forth to everybody so I say it's about the relate. You don't have to have a hundred bridges. You just need the right bridges um, that feel good for you, and both and two people can add value to each other. And um, uh, and and when you do that, you'll build together. And that's the game to me. When they say relationships, it's just a bridge. It's two people adding value. Sometimes somebody will say, "Well, what am I going to add value to?" I mean, I don't know. Say you know you want to do something with Oprah Winfrey. Well, we already got ton. Tons of money. What am I going to give her? You don't know what you have to give to her. You know, mm-hmm. you may be looking for a specific kind of project that can add value to her network, or there might be some business opportunity and you wanted this investor and this investor, his kid loves that thing. You know what I mean? That you have. Yeah. <laughs> it could be just that right. simple. That's the bridge. Yeah. And oh, man, I like that trade drop of knowledge right now. It's finding the win. And that's what I always mm-hmm. Finding the win and making it a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I like that. So y'all, y'all getting some good nuggets, some good tips here, trying to break into Hollywood. Okay. Now let's talk about let's talk about this project specifically. Um, because you talk about taking ideas and, and having action. This is what I thought was cool. Influence in the family business come from authors, from writers. Yeah. Which I think is really dope because usually we see these books, which by the way, sometimes that could be in the African-American section, which I don't get sometimes because I feel like everybody can pick something up and grab it from these. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I guess that's a whole other podcast. Right. But anyway, so you pick up these novels and it's like, and I didn't even, I didn't even realize when I'm going through reading these that they could turn into something like this, which is really cool that you even had this envision. So my question is, you know, where did that leap come for you? Like when would that, that come together? You working with, um, Carl Weber and thinking, okay, Hey, let me take this book. And you know, cause everybody takes certain types of books, but this one was different. I feel, yeah, you um, know, than what you usually see. We built funny enough, you know, we speak of Christian. So Christian, if you'll notice something, you'll see a tie in Christian. Um, introduced us to Carl Weber and they're fraternity brothers. They're alphas. And okay. I think Christian was doing some work with him on a, one of his book covers. And Carl was doing, he needed a commercial to be done for one of his books. And he needed it like in four days because <laughs> the book was. Oh, out. wow. And Carl, yeah. he, he called Christian, Christian, you know, a company or somebody you think could do this, blah, blah. He said, why don't you work with Tridestin? That's my people's blah, blah, blah. He hooked us up. We did this commercial for him and boom, in three days, shot it. 
edited it, and sent it back to him, and he was loving it. So then yeah. he hit us back up again, and I think he called Indy, and he said, hey, man, I, I have a, a, you know, I'm interested in screenwriting. Um, so Carl actually writes, so Carl owns Urban Book Publishing, him and his partners, okay. right? Urban mm-hmm. Book Publishing is one of the number one, I think it's the number one African-American book publishing company, you know, for books in mm-hmm. the country. Yeah. He owns like four or 5,000 books as a company. But he himself is a 28, not, I think 27, 28 times New York Times bestseller. So he has all these books that he has written. And so one of them was called The Man in 3B. And he had written the script already. And he said, you know, I got a little money on me right now for a movie that I was thinking about making. It's called The Man in 3B. Check out the script. Y'all think we can do that? You know, it was like a couple of months yeah. later. I mean, yeah. I like the flow of what we did with the commercial. And I know y'all make movies. Let's try this out. So we mm-hmm. did The Man in 3B. And that was the start. And he had already, he had written, the, he took the book, turned it into a screenplay. We made The Man in 3B. It was very successful for all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. We had a yeah. Yeah. theatrical release. It was, you know, we had it all over the country and um, screenings. It was just great. Um, did great on Netflix. It did great on BET. It just went. I mean, it's just financially successful project for us with Carl. Then he said, hey, that worked. Let's do Preacher Son. Let's do Choir Director. These are some of these other famous books. And then yeah. it kept going. He wrote the script. We would film them. We collaborated. I directed a lot of most. I mean, I directed all of them. And then we built up to the family business. The family business is his number one book series, period. Has over like five to six million followers of the book. People mm-hmm. have bought the book. Mm-hmm. And there's also, the book is still an active book. Like it still has yeah, yeah. things. I mean, there's, there's, it's still moving. New, new uh, book series are still coming out out of that. There's extensions of the book series from other characters that are going to have their own characters, have their own books now. So- when we did the family business, it was just a no-brainer, you know. So it it just li- it lived from that going from Carl wanting to turn his books into screenplays. Yeah, that's man, that is just so cool to me. I'm just I'm just imagining like this world that is um, film that you can play with in that way. Um, when you said when you can find somebody that wants to creatively collaborate with you, because it's just like you know you're going in the store picking out this book, all of a sudden it's a movie now. Yeah. You know, this 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 book that you've read that and, you know, if you think about it, other studios might pass up on because they don't see, you know, the plots and the different characters that can fit into this. Like you have some really dope veteran actors working on these projects yes. that we don't always get to see in this light. Exactly. Um, You know, like Clifton Powell. Um, You had Deborah Koch. You had Anthony Hamilton. I don't know when I've seen him. I mean, you know, very, I, very I don't give away the plot too much for people, but. <laughs> Or like, or like Ernie Hudson, who plays the dad. Yeah, Ernie the, Hudson, right. Yeah. Right, um, who's never been a player. He's never played a role like this before, you know? So, um, and, yeah. You know, so we have a great cast, like, and it's multi-generational, multicultural. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, represent, yeah. And we do this. We represent what the real America looks like, but mm-hmm. we flip it on his head. Often, our characters are the ones, like, under someone, you know? Yeah. We're not yeah. we're not yeah. the head, we're the kind of the tail or we support the head. You know what I'm saying? Or we're like yeah. side yeah. by side, but it's very rare. We don't off them. I mean, there more and more is happening. Obviously, more and more shows have us as leads mm-hmm. in a power position though. You know? Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. what I love about the family business is we win. And mm-hmm. it's also mm-hmm. surrounded around a family. I mean, obviously there's some crime elements to the story because it's kind of has like <laughs> Godfather-esque yeah. storyline. Yeah, it does. It. Yeah. But, but the core of it is why people love the Godfather is because of the family core to it. It was like, yeah, you're going to keep this in the family. We're not going to mm-hmm. go out Absolutely. and sell ourselves when we have opportunities to build financially. We don't, most time people say, well, I'm going to go outside of the family because whatever. But with this one, they build within and, mm-hmm. and, it's just a, a beautiful thing when you can see us empowering ourselves. Cause so many times through family, we, you know, we have so much dysfunction at times. Yeah. This family yeah. as dysfunctional as they can be at times, just <laughs> each other, figuring stuff out. They all still know we have to make sure that our family legacy is stuck together. So. 
Yeah. And speaking of and speaking of some of the plots, um, one of my one of the lines that sticks out for me for family business was um before Paris there was London. Yes. And the reason I bring this up is because you could have realistically, you can have two shows within the show because I can see a female or women assassin movie or TV uh, show out of this. Well, because of the way the characters move. Paris, which is played by Javicia Leslie, there's yeah. a book called there's a spinoff of this of family business called Paris, um, Paris in Love. Oh wow, one that's going to be one good. of the novels. Yeah. So he so Paris is in Europe, and something. So there is some spinoffs that definitely could happen from this movie. I mean, nice. Okay, and, cool. And nice. backstories and subplot. I mean, like you said. With each character, there's all kinds of things that could go on. Yeah, because it just comes at it just comes out. You guys check it out by the way. Um, season one on BT Plus, um, six episodes of season two. So yep. definitely check it out. But yeah, there's just so many things um that'll just come at you. You're like, what? I was not expecting that. And like we said, to get to see these vets really play it up in, in areas you don't get to see all the time. Right, right, right. Yeah. It definitely has that dynasty feel to it too. Like that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lisa Ray comes in and does her thing. Yeah. She she was hilarious in that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Tammy and her going at it with each other or her and Valerie Pettiford, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's these strong, powerful women coming in and, you know, holding up the front too with the family and supporting the, the men and the family and, taking over it sometimes when they like, you know what, y'all ain't got y'all, you know what? I don't like how this is playing out. I'm going to handle it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, it's cool. It's cool. It's a really cool, uh, like you said, th- the, one of the things about the twists and the turns, that's one of Carl's staple things in his book. Okay. You yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Cause I hadn't had a chance to read it yet. Where it's coming. Think about okay. influence. It was all mm-hmm. different opportunities to, it's like, did, did, you know, Deborah Cox obviously was up for murder. Did she do yeah. it? Do it with someone? Did she, did somebody set her up? Blah, 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 blah. You don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah, I didn't see um, that one coming. Yeah, I won't ruin it for nobody, but I didn't see that one coming. If you watch The Man in 3B, everybody says that ending, the story, that one, mm-hmm. that was one of, one of the movies that everybody goes, that ending. That's all people keep saying. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to check that one out then, because you got me. You got me caught up now with yeah. these endings, because I'm yeah. never seeing this stuff coming. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's great about the family business. Hey, we ended, we stopped it on episode six, obviously, but we have mm-hmm. more to come. But even on that episode six, we put a okay. What's gonna happen next? Like, oh what, yeah, yeah, y'all, like, y'all yeah. definitely did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When y'all see that, when y'all see that last episode, you can be like, hurry up and build that bubble. Right there, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, bubble now go right build a bubble now okay um oh let me touch too on these on um, both influence and um and a uh, family business because you talked about editing yes um interesting you put some music within some of the dialogue yeah which i thought was interesting i have i don't know if i maybe i just haven't paid attention before i didn't notice it because you mixed up the beats a little bit but what um I'm assuming that was intentional because you do have the editing skills. So what did what did you hope that added, or where did that idea come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like in the in the shows or movies, you know, the score there's like the score, obviously, like just the right, right. build up of the emotion of the scene. It mm-hmm. kind of sets the stage and sets the tone for the scene sometimes, or builds the intensity, the the builds suspense or whatever shock. It helps to build these things. Then there's like songs. So you know, think about a movie like Boomerang. You know, right. Boomerang was totally inclusive. And a lot of movies we really see, sometimes, you know, it's more apparent than others. But mm-hmm. um, Gina Prince-Bythewood is really big on this, too. You know, incorporating songs that really move, mm. you know, like yeah. sometimes it's there, it's in the background, you'll hear a song. But then there's sometimes where a filmmaker or, you know, the creators really want that song to help push the the storyline a lot. Like it's part right. of the dialogue almost. It's like you're hearing this song, you're hearing this. In a, in a, like the best one I can use is Boomerang. You know, you think about all mm-hmm. the songs that Tony Braxton, Love Should Have Brought You Home Last Night. Yep, That's, yep. When you hear that song, you think of Boomerang, you think of Halle Berry, and she told mm-hmm. him, Love Should Have Brought Your Ass Home Last Night. Boom. Love right, exactly. Yep. You. And it just, boom. <laughs> it in yeah. Right hand. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, that is what, you know, I, I love music. I love, I played, um, and in, in when I was young, I played uh, in the viola. I played oh, wow. home. 
I can play mm-hmm. keyboards by ear. Um, you know, music. I can do all of that. So I, before I was in the movie business, I always say this: is I, I thought I was going to be in the music business, but I love bringing both of them together, bringing visuals. And my editor now, I have an editor. His name is MJ Whitaker out of Atlanta. He and 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 uh, Matthew Head, who's our, my composer, they are mm-hmm. like instrumental pieces of our puzzle that really, you know, these guys are super talented on the on the post side of what we do. And, you know, they understand my, you know, my style as far as like how I capture things and bringing and adding to it. You know, when everybody that you bring into your puzzle, they yeah. be able to bring something to the table that you can't do. They do it better than you can do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. At, you, yeah. My, like you said, you got to have that team. Right. Yeah. I don't need a, I don't need somebody to do the same thing I can do. I need somebody to do something that I can't right. do, you know? <laughs> right. Like, Bring, right. Or better than what I can do. I mean, I can edit, obviously, but MJ is just a super talent. Um, Matthew Head, as a, a as a composer, you know, he composes. He works on so many things. He's worked on Greenleaf. He's worked on um, even I think P Valley. He does some music for them. But this guy is such a phenomenal composer, and he can just mm-hmm. like even think about Always a Bridesmaid. Think about the score and how that sound yeah. had a unique sound that took you through this journey. Um, that was another movie very, very proud of. Um, showing love without it having to have a sexual a- element to it, you know? That yeah, that's and that's very difficult to do, very, yeah. Because people look for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you didn't feel it. You didn't care is what I'm saying. You know, it's yeah. not it was it was written that way, but you didn't care. Mm-hmm. You just were yeah. so caught into the two, into this girl's plight of why she self-sabotaging herself. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yet you're always saying, you know how people say, I want to go like, let's say somebody lives in Alabama and they're like, I want to move to L.A. But why yeah. are you driving to New York then? Yeah, it's true. And yeah. that's what people mm-hmm. do. We keep saying. So there's that, like, you know, people say, I'm, you know, I'm speaking it. I'm speaking it, but it's not happening because there's also like, once again, there's the action and there's the, and there's what you're doing every day. Is it leading you to where you're wanting to go? And that's the, yeah. kind of the storyline behind Always a Bridesmaid. Here's a lady who says she's like, why am I always the bridesmaid? Everybody else is getting married. What am I not doing? But mm-hmm. everything that you're doing is leading you away from getting married. You know, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. So yeah. You can say, what's wrong with me? Well, you got to definitely look in the mirror. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. Take care of yourself both inside and out with Hum Nutrition. Get vitamins and supplements for your beauty goals backed by clinical results designed to get you looking and feeling your very best shipped to you each month. Hum Nutrition's monthly vitamin subscription is affordable, flexible, convenient, customizable, and committed to results. Formulated by experts and rigorously tested, each unique Hum Nutrition supplement packs a combo of potent, clean, and clinically proven ingredients designed for specific goals like clear skin, improved sleep, hair growth, balanced mood, and a healthier body. Well, Black Girl Nerds listeners, listen up. You get 15% off your first order of $29 or more using the code NERDS. That's right. To help boost your well-being in the ways you need it most, take their quick quiz and get individualized product recommendations from their team of registered dietitians to help bring your body, skin, hormones, and moods into balance with Hum Nutrition. And you get 15% off your first order with the code NERDS. Plus, with flexible subscription options and chic packaging, it's insanely easy to stay on top of your daily dosage, too. So that code, again, is NERDS for 15% off your first order of $29 or more. The URL is www.humnutrition.com forward slash get underscore started. Again, that's www.humnutrition.com forward slash get underscore started. Get started to a path of good health with Hum Nutrition. You know? (laughs) Oh, 
Yeah, I love, I just, I'm, I love and like the way, um, it's really cool that you're giving us insight on how your mind works, how you're coming up with these different plots and everything. Um, and definitely, of course, loving, um, I'm probably biased, but loving the female driven of how each of these projects, um, yeah. uh, points out. And I have to, the comic, per, the comic nerd in me has to point this out in influence. I had to ask you, this is one of my, um, last question I want to ask you about your, um, projects where we, um, move forward. But Alpha, you had a, there was a comic in there. It's called Alpha Supreme. The name yeah. of the comic because wow. he was trying to not to give away the the plot, but trying to um in an influence you know about lawyers trying to get Deborah Cox's point. She was trying to get all um you know she had a bunch of high powered lawyers you know trying to help her out with her situation, and that was one of the um pieces puzzle pieces he needed to try to help her to further along and try to help prove that um she you know right whether, whether or not she did other people yeah. out there yeah. Yeah. So I was curious, um, are you a comic fan? Where did all that like come from? Was that was that is that in his book? Because I haven't I know that's part of what part of Carl Weber's collection, too. Yeah. Well, funny enough, uh, my business partner. So this is a I'll show you how we do my business partner, Amy <laughs> Brown Jones. Her husband mm-hmm. is a comic book, a huge comic book fan. So is Carl. He actually yeah. that is actually one of his books. His new, oh. that's actually one of his comics. Oh, so okay. Put like Spider Man or you know Batman or something in there, you know whatever. Like you know, mm-hmm. the, you know Black Panther. So you, you know yeah. you have to create. So he actually took one of his ideas that he's putting together. His that's a that's one of his comics that he's creating, and we and we were like, hey, why don't you take your comic book and we're going to put it in this auction? You know, this there's going to mm-hmm. be an auction. And why don't we auction? I think the, I think it was always a com. It was a book or it was something like that in the book, in the actual book. Influence. Okay. Okay. But we just decided to put at this auction. We said, well, Dondi, why don't you? His name is Dondi Jones. Why don't you uh, take your comic book and you know we drew it up. We had a professional comic book guy. Actually, once he did his sketching with it, he took it and we actually converted it into a real comic book. Oh wow! In there, and so that's mm-hmm. why that's in there. But that's actually just giving a little shout out to Dondi's book too. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah, that. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was like the comic, and I just like drew right to it. I was like the nerdiness of me would have to pick that out. Like I was like that would be the one thing that it was like right, stuck right. in my mind. I was like, I gotta ask, I gotta ask Trey about this. Um. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's I do one of his uh, to kind really of. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to kind of to kind of uh, um, I guess wrap up your um, to kind of see if you can give us a little bit more tips too on this. Um, it's rare that you have a director that has di- or a single director for a, a series. You yes. know, basically, it's rare that, that happens. Like usually, you have to rotate around. So, um, so basically, just want to get your thoughts on that, and also if you have a, a favorite scene, a challenging scene that you had to shoot. Yes. Okay, um, so yeah, there uh it is rare, it's not common. Uh one of the things that we decided to do in the network, they were like, Trey, you know this, you know Carl Carl is on the you know, Carl is one of the um executive producers with Indy Brown Jones. And so because I know Carl's style and who mm-hmm. and who's his voice, and I've worked with him so much. And in a collaboration that we have, you know, Carl still has a very strong voice on set because, you know, he knows his book better than anybody. He knows his audience. He right. knows if I say put a red car there and it's really supposed to be a blue. And then, you know, I, we, what, what I found along the way with books, turning them into movies, it's not the big stuff. It's the small stuff people pick mm, up. Yeah. They, they yep. know. No, nah, he didn't never wear that, you know, because they're really descriptive in books. You know, mm-hmm. as he rides in that red car, boom, boom, boom. They're constantly talking about this red Ferrari that they drive, or this guy had a necklace with this yeah. thing on it, or there's a, you know, there are certain things that they talk about that these people have on them. Right. He's very specific about these things, and there's some things he's not. You know, when what happens is when you bring other direct, it's not that other directors can. And I think over the time, you know, let's say we go into a season three, I'm sure we'll very much be open to bringing, but now this. The stage has been set. The tone has been set. People now kind of have an understanding. And even when you do bring in other directors, they kind of bring you, bring them in while you're shooting yeah. your episode so yeah. they can see the flow before. Cause you know, when you're directing a TV show, it's different than a movie. In a movie, it's the director's medium a little bit more. Like I can take mm, a script and okay. I have a little bit more 
leeway to do what I want as far as like creatively in mm-hmm. a in a TV show it's really the writer's medium. You know, it's a, it's really the creators of the show. That's why they can bring in multiple directors. It always looks the same. You notice that? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Another person, it might be some slight camera movements that are a little different because that person just likes to creatively do a certain yeah. thing. But the mm-hmm. tone does not change. The actors, you, you ain't got to tell them much because they already know their character. You're not coming in yep, saying, yep. Oh, I don't like the way mm-hmm. you did that. Can you do it? This? That's what you do. You know, can you can we try it this way or this way? It's not that you still do it, but you keep it in the world that you're shooting in. So the family exactly, business of yeah. the world. Uh, when you see Scandal, it was always multiple act directors directing Scandal, but it had the same tone. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Versus if there was Scandal was a movie and those same directors directed it, it would look too like ten different movies. You know what I'm saying? It would. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, it would. Yeah. Because it's the director has more of the there there. They're leaning more to the director to create the vision versus the, right. the vision is already kind of set. The tone, the the every it's more TV has more of that collaborative part when it comes to what you see. But the the tone of the show ultimately is a little bit set with. I would say this. I'm also in a, a co-executive producer on the show. And because mm-hmm. we're you know, tri-destined, my, my company with, you know, Indy. And Carl, yeah. we all kind of set the tone together in as far as the look, but the style and the flavor, the the way these actors flow. Yeah. Now the tone is set. So I think now other directors definitely can come in. We and we have uh, a couple of people. We have one particular person that's actually on our set, Veronica Nichols. She's one of the producers of the show. She'll probably end up directing okay. some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. She's been actually um, doing a lot of B unit directing for us. So like oh, sometimes when I don't okay. do stuff, so there's been some episodes where she jumped in. I had to step out for mm-hmm. a second and she would come in and shoot some of the scenes for me while I had to go take a thing. To, I had to go do something, you know, for the yeah something creative, whatever, make the move right. happen. And she would step in. So we're building in. We're building in. But there have been a couple of shows like on HBO, True Detective, that show. Yeah. Um, that show often is sh- directed by one director. Oh, okay. Look yeah, at she dropping. Few, I didn't even know that. Yeah, there's a few of them. Uh, well, yeah, that's cool. I just think that's really dope to kind of give people a little insight. Um, Cause like you said, it's rare that it happens. Um, and it's cool. Like you said, to have that vision. And then, like you said, as you, you guys going into, you know, um, the latter part of the second season of the family business or into future seasons where you can slide somebody in now, because you guys have created such a, um, you know, you created such a great roadmap for everybody. Like everybody knows the tone and the feel now. Exactly. Uh, well, you know what, Trey, this has been so much fun for me. And it's like been a treat to hear you kind of uh, nerd out with me on behind the scenes stuff and what you guys are coming up. And we're looking forward to hearing about this bubble and getting the, and maybe we get a little uh, documentary out of it too. Yeah. You know, I will film some stuff. We're probably going to put a couple of on family business, BET, the Instagram page. We'll probably be okay. putting some stuff behind the scenes. You'll get a chance to see inside the bubble at Tri Destin. That's also mm-hmm. where we post a lot of information that's going on those are the two main places of the outside of what BET obviously they're going to be putting it out on their the BET website but we Mm -hmm. will we you know we have the ability to definitely put the document you know documenting it and we'll probably have some stuff that you know we're giving to BET as we're filming it sending them stuff so that they can we can show you know in the bubble what's it like you know yeah that's gonna be cool yeah well y'all look out for that y'all also go check out uh family business um always a bridesmaid if you haven't seen it, I'm, i need to catch up i haven't always seen that one yet on netflix right now you can check that on netflix. oh netflix okay netflix um and then influence is on bt plus if you want to check that one out um but yeah so yeah trey is just keeping it moving he's got all kind of projects for y'all to go out there and, and you know kill some time with while we're all on stay-at-home orders that's right that's right you know this is you got to stay active got to keep it moving but you know we got a little entertainment out there for you definitely check out you know, uh, we are very proud of Javicia Leslie. She's she mm-hmm, plays Paris mm-hmm. on Family Business, and she's the lead in Netflix or on film on Netflix called Always a Bridesmaid. And she will be your new Batwoman coming yeah, out. Yeah, y'all look out for that. Year. Yeah, so on CW, this is going to be historic. And you know, she's about to be in the Batcave. This girl, yeah. And if y'all, when y'all see her in family business, I think I know what's gonna be happening in this back cave. But we'll see. Kind of get it, you know. (laughs) 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 That's funny. (laughs) Thank you so much, Trey. All right. Talk to you later. All right, y'all stay safe. All right, you too. Um, everybody stay safe out there.
Okay. Talk. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I cannot believe it, you guys. It's already time to go back to school at the time of this recording. It's probably been a couple weeks now um, here in the States. And I just, it kind of got me, a show recently that I'm watching kind of got me reminiscing about my high school years. So I'm just going to give a shout out to all high schoolers right now, because you know whether you graduated or whether you're dealing with it right now, there's always the drama in high school. I mean, you got the cliques, you got the bullies. You know, some teachers going through their own thing. And so the right thing to do, right, is go to your counselors or talk to your parents. But if we're in the make-believe world of Netflix, you know what you do? You don't get mad. You get even, right? So this brings me to my guest today, which is Bethany Antonia. And she plays Margot Rivers and Get Even. It is in a season one on Netflix. So go check it out if you're looking for something to add to your watch list because we're all still stuck on home at home, social distancing. And with that, Bethany, how you doing? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. All right. Now, the first thing I got to talk to you about, because I just noticed this, this is actually was I wasn't going to start with this, but I have to bring this out because you did. This is phenomenal right now. Your accent is amazing. I thought you you had a you have an American accent in the show, right? Am I am I right I about did. that? Yeah, talking. I do. I do. That is amazing to me right now. Like it just caught me off guard, so I had to start with that. And I was just like, <laughs> props to you training on that, or however that came about. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I um I've always just done the American accent at home for fun, but I've never done it in a role before. So it was super scary when I got the the audition through and they were actually looking for genuine African-American girls to play Margot. So I kind of just didn't think, you just don't think you have a shot when you go in for ones like that. So I was like, I'm just going to go in and do as best as I can do. And they were all like, oh, are you actually American? (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm British. So I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think I just just managed to fool them and then do it do a convincing job and get the role (laughs) yeah that is amazing that is very impressive like I was trying to hold back how shocked I was when you when you first got (laughs) on but that's pretty cool thank you so much (laughs) all right so this is what I actually was going to start with at 14 you were reading Shakespeare tell us about you were doing the reimagining of the Tempest right tell us about like how that came about I just thought that was astonishing yeah so I decided that I wanted to be an actor when I was 14 and um, had no idea how to do it. So me and my mum just spent hours and hours Googling like how to be an actor, how to how to mm-hmm. do this. And we found this this group called the First Act Television Workshop. And it was like a training ground for young actors in Birmingham where I live in England. Um, and they would train you up in different styles of acting. And then you would get to go out and audition for, for different things that were casting in the area. And mm-hmm. I'd been there about six months, and the first thing that came through was an audition for this the Shakespeare short film. And I'd never read Shakespeare. I'd never seen Shakespeare. I'd never, I had no idea how to approach it. But I just absolutely loved the text. So I just spent like days and days and days just like watching as much as I could and learning as much as I could. And then went to the audition and got the role. <laughs> and somehow managed That's to That's amazing, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and then after that, I I fell in love with Shakespeare, and I just just kept kept working on it after I'd done that short. Man, see what hard work could get you in just like searching some things out. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool <laughs> intro story to acting. Yeah, it really was. All right, so we got to talk about Margot Rivers now and get even. First of all, how did you get involved? Like, wh- what made you say, okay, yes to Margot Rivers? Because this is your first, being, now that it's on Netflix, it's your first, like, international debut, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I had um, I had the, the audition come through, and I'd always, I'd always wanted my first regular role to be a part that I felt really proud of. And I know that when you're at an early stage in your career, you know, you don't really have pick and choose of the roles that you do but that was the one thing I'd always said I just wanted my first regular role to be something that I was proud of and that I was an active part of and Mm -hmm. Margot came through and I was like I have to play this character like I have to and as soon as I had the first recall I was like no one else is getting this role (laughs) because I was just and no one else should get this role guys no one I was obsessed (laughs) um and I just loved everything about her you know she was 
she was so different to what I was used to auditioning for. And she felt so much like me at school. She felt so much like what I wished I'd have seen when I was younger, watching on television. And I just felt like, I, I don't know, it, just, it was weird. It felt like I had a responsibility to play this part. I felt like I had to be the girl to do her justice. And yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it was her being like a tech, uh, tech genius. Um, I mean, I'm basically calling her like the she's the brain, she's the mastermind. I feel like they're not <laughs> going to pull off, you know, DGM is not going to pull off most of its stuff without Margot going ahead and like you know hacking an email or two, you know, finding out <laughs> where this right? website is. And also, she keeps the burner phones on lock. Like that's crazy. Were you were you walking around with like a boot bag or phones? Like what's going on with the burner phone? Literally, we had like we had like twelve different versions of these burner phones, and it was so funny because it was like every time we got a new phone, we had to like keep track of which ones we got rid of so that we didn't repeat them. And I had this backpack <laughs> that was just full of like fifty phones, like for all of the girls. It was so cool. She just is like. She's just such a smart, exciting character. And I just I just genuinely uh-huh. don't feel like we see girls like that on TV. Like, especially young black girls. Like, how many young black girls do you see that have got, like, a triple monitor mm, set up? Yeah. They're, like, the brains of the entire thing. And they're, like, and, and they're just doing it because they enjoy it and not because they're being, like, forced into it by their pressurizing parents. You know, there, there was no, like, yeah. motive yeah. behind her story. She was just this girl mm. who really liked tech. And she was really into it. and and got to be a part of this super cool group. And I just loved her. Yeah. And I was curious, what was the fan feedback? Because not only is she this genius, she's great at tech. Um, but she also struggled a little bit with that social aspect, you know, that a lot of us, um, you know, whether you want to put it out there or not, some people think, um, you know, it's something to be ashamed of. And I like the way Margo was like, she was working in her own lane, you know, until she figured it out. Um, and you just yeah. deal with that, like you're thinking about that high schooler that's very shy, you know, very like book smart and, you know, maybe has some things happen that she hasn't been able to deal with yet. Um, but to see Margot's parents, even like when she was trying to figure out what club to join and they were getting <laughs> so hyped when she figured out what she was going to join, you know, and I'm just curious, like what kind of fan feedback have you gotten from, you know, other, uh, you know, black, uh, black women or teenagers that have identified with that kind of character that Margot is? Yeah. I mean, the response for me has been has been beautiful to see. So many girls just saying, I feel so seen. I feel like this is me in high school. Wow, I feel like Margot is everything that I was in school. Or, you know, it, it feels like girls are really seeing this and mm-hmm. she's ticking that box. But it's just, it feels like it's just removed from all media everywhere. I, I mean, I, I genuinely just, I never had that when I was younger. I didn't get to see the girl who was book smart and wasn't interested in boys and wasn't interested in, in having a massive group of friends and she was just mm-hmm. in her own lane like you say she just was doing her own thing the response has been so amazing and it's it's made me even more like proud of her as a character because when we were filming yeah. I remember th- I remember thinking like this is such a, a breakthrough you're getting to play a part that really isn't is never done but seeing the response mm-hmm. from other people it's just like confirm that for me and it's just like yeah this is the reason why why you do this now, did you ever, as far as like, I know you talked a little bit about how you kind of researched her, how you um, felt about playing her um, from the beginning, but did you ever read any of the book series? And by the way, guys, it's called um, Don't Get Mad um, by Gretchen McNeil is the book series. Um, but did you ever get to read any of that? Does that ever get into any of your research as far as Margot? Yeah, I did. So I had, I didn't, I hadn't read the books before I auditioned, but straight away we knew that it was based on a, on a book series. So there's, there's Get Even and Get Dirty. Um, so after my, my recall stage, I managed to read the books before the chemistry read, um, mm. just to like find out about the characters and find out where they were going. And I, I loved the book straight away. I was like, oh my God, these books are amazing. Um, and then when we started filming, we actually as a cast all read the books together. So we, we were kind of, we'd got like five copies of the books and we were just passing them around <laughs> and we were all like in this race to finish them first. And then people would move on to get dirty and people would still be on get even. And, and also like the plot lines in the book, we didn't know how different they were going to be in the series. Yeah. We had a, we had a writer, Holly Phillips, who wrote the series and it was based on Gretchen's books, but we didn't know what they were going to change or what they were going to tweak. So all the way through reading it, we were kind of like, finding our favorite stories that we wanted to keep finding the things that we were like no I hope that doesn't happen to my character or um it was just it was really exciting actually it was a really nice way of of being in a series yeah that's cool and I saw on your um on your IG that you posted you guys were on the cover of the books which is really cool 
Yeah, that was the coolest thing ever. My book literally came, Gretchen sent us copies of them. It came like two days ago. And that was so surreal, just seeing us, seeing us on books. It was crazy. And they've used like two different photos as well. So we've got like two different, two different books. We're on the cover of two books, which is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. See, so you have to read and now you're just critiquing all of your elements, like in the book and on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, now we talked about her tech a little bit, but Marco was into the video games. Like, she looks super happy just being like, just being in her room and playing these video games. Are you a gamer personally? Or was that something that you had that you got into for the character? I am a little bit. I mean, not to the extent of Margot. This girl is like queen of gaming. She would happily do right. that all day, all day, every day. And those are my favorite scenes to film. The scenes where she's just gaming with her friends and like they we spent we did like a full day of just game. There were so many that didn't make it into the final cut, but we did a whole mm-hmm. day of her just in her room just gaming on all these different video games. It was so much fun. But I personally, I do game every now and again. I have like a Nintendo Switch that I game on. Um, but oh, what you playing then, Bethany? What you playing I on play, Nintendo Switch? Play, my favorite game is Zelda: Breath of the Wild and Animal Crossing. I play those two, and they're like ah, I've heard about both of these. Too. I have not played. See, I'm not a big gamer either. I'm trying. This is why I'm taking tips from you. Uh, so I'm gonna figure out what uh, I'm a what I'm gonna play. Like I, the last, the last get. Um, this is how bad I am with gaming and everything. The last kind of game stuff I did was the Wii. Like when it was still popular, because I just love that I could be active and like, you know, my pretend golf and everything. (laughs) You're 10 years behind. You need to catch up. I know. That is the last thing I did. So when I was looking at Margo, I felt so embarrassed. It was so, it was bad. It was bad. You need to get a switch and you need to get Animal Crossing. Because you know what? Actually, all jokes aside, it's actually really therapeutic playing gaming just a little just for a few hours a day or like a few a few days here and there it's really therapeutic and I think it's really good for us to just switch off from like social media and to just go into something else just really cool yeah yeah that's what I've heard that is really so yeah so you gave me you just gave me some tips to kind of get into and uh and and figure that out figure my game and life out here <laughs> I'm gonna check back in and see if you see if you've got a switch oh like man so now you're holding me to, oh man I'm being trouble then <laughs> checking back in oh man all right so I gotta ask you what was like because you told us your favorite what is what was like a really challenging scene for you um there was a scene that we that I did with Christopher who's played by Jake Dunn and it was a scene that was added in really last minute and I'm kind of a person who likes to be really prepared and really on top of things and I like to know what I'm filming that day and what we're doing and so at the start of each week, I'd like emotionally prepare for, for each scene. And there was the scene with Christopher that they added in quite last minute, but it ended up being one of my favorite scenes. It's where she's, she's at, Margot's kind of at breaking point with, with these girls who are bullying her and she's got nowhere to turn. And Christopher kind of comes and, and offers her a shoulder to cry on. Mm-hmm. And that was really challenging for me, just emotionally, because I was still learning how to pace myself. I was still learning how to not burn out after after doing a scene twice. I, I was giving it all my emotions on the on the wide shot, and then by the time they get to the close up, I was burnt out. So I found that really difficult. And also, Jake is such a brilliant actor that he was making me cry just profusely every single time we shot it. <laughs> so it was really challenging because I had to just I just had to figure out how to balance my emotions, how to draw the line between me and Margot and figure out what I wanted her to look like rather than it all feel natural and have it all come naturally which I hadn't had to do up until that point up until that point I'd been able to just like go into scenes and it would all come naturally but I felt like with that scene I really learned how to how to approach it differently yeah because like speaking of the emotions I was going to ask you like she's kind of caught like in the middle in the beginning she's kind of like in a triangle like a love triangle so I'm yeah. like, man, I can't imagine, like, not only is she dealing with, you know, the things DGM is going through, she's also dealing with, okay, these guys, and she's trying to open up her heart a little bit and not be so into the books. She had so much going on. It was so much stress. <laughs> this girl was like, episodes one to five were just chaos for Margot. She had so much to be Yeah, about. yeah, they really were, it was, yeah. It was really nice, you know, speaking of the love triangle, like, Again, was such a rare thing to have like this young black girl who's caught up in a in a love triangle, and she's mm, yeah. she's the one that the boys are interested in. Like that never happens. Right. That never happens. And she has the cute afro and everything. That's yeah, another thing. Like I these... love that you got to have your natural hair and everything. Yeah, we've got these two gorgeous boys who are like essentially fighting for her attention and her affection, and she just wants to be at home gaming. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's like not having to do anything to gain their affection. They they just 
into her because of who she is. And it was so refreshing. Mm, it was yeah. a breath of fresh air to see that. It really was. Yeah, and it was like, and to see like the differences in culture too, because I like how there was that that comparison, you know, of being, um, you know, American and then, you know, how things are done in France. So I just love that comparison. I thought it was really interesting. Like just even like you guys hanging out somewhere to go get something to eat or something. Was yeah, different. yeah. And there was, re- there was some really cool scenes where like Logan would try and impress her by doing something that he thought was American and she would find it really <laughs> funny. And I love that yeah. they included Yeah, they had a lot of cute things. Yeah. really made it. yeah. All right. So um, do you know, because I know we're all like, um, well, it might, actually might be different for you. But as far as like, um, do you know anything going as far as like season two, get, in, get dirty? Because, you know, that title, everybody wants to know what's going on with that. We don't. I Have mean, you- we're, we, we are all hoping and praying for a season two. Um, it yeah. feels like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen soon. Like it feels like there'll be an announcement pretty soon and the show's done so much like yeah it's reached so many more places than we thought it would so we're all super hopeful for a second series and and I personally would love to explore her for another year it would be such a shame for me if if their stories end after one year because I want to know what's going on the show ends with so many mysteries that even we don't know the answers to so we're like desperate to do it just so we can figure out what happens (laughs) but yeah like what yeah, I was going to ask you what, I mean, you kind of gave, I guess without giving too much away, you don't know, but what, like, what is something about Margo that you really want to explore? Is there anything like you were kind of thinking, like, cause I know there's like a lot of mystery and stuff that you got, cause you guys are in a mystery, like thriller. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I want to know, there are so many things I want to know. I want to know more about Margo's home life because where she got all these gadgets oh, yeah. from? Like, where's she getting these burner phones from? It's <laughs> real. Like, yeah. where's she, where, who's her dealer? Where's she getting the phones from? I want to know, like, <laughs> where she gets all her cool gear. I want to know, like, why she's into it. I want to know where she learns it. I remember when we were when we were in prep for the show, um, the mm-hmm. writer said that her, her parents had come over to the UK for tech jobs. And that's why she's so into technology. Oh, yeah. She's got it from her parents. So I'd, love, I'd just love to see some more of that. I'd love to see her take charge in, in some DGM moments. I'd love to see her now she's had this oh, yeah, that'd be without any spoilers, yeah. but I, now she's had this experience that she has in season one. I'd love her to take that and, and let it fill her with confidence to go into new things in a season two. Um, huh. And just yeah, bring cool, more, yeah. more, more crazy gadgets and chaos. I'd love to see her like doing some, one of my, my favorite scenes was where she, um, She's like got the gloves on and she's highlighting the things to leave no fingerprints. Like I just want to see more of that. I want yeah. to see more stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I didn't know. I was like, wow, like Margot really has like some tricks that we just need more answers <laughs> to because she knows how to do everything. Right. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you, um, kind of deviating here, um, what to kind of to kind of wrap us up, because I know you were big into the outdoors, um, veganism. And for me right now, I know um, one thing that's kind of helped me is kind of trying to get out more um, and with all of us social distance here. What um, so what are like some of your favorite outdoor activities? I'll start with that one first. Yeah, I love. So, so through lockdown, I've really enjoyed just walking to different places. I've loved just like looking on a map and finding a little area of green and walking there and spending hours just going and exploring different parts of nature and different parts of lakes and Recently, I've been doing like yoga in in wild areas, Ooh, or just. Yeah, or yeah. I I listened to an interview with Michaela Cole. He said that she has been just dancing, just like dancing on her own for herself with headphones oh, in outside, yeah. mm-hmm. and I've been trying that, and it is the most liberating thing. I cannot tell you. It's like the most. It fills you with so many endorphins. Just going outside, where there's people or not, whether there's people there or not, and just dancing mm-hmm. with your headphones in in nature it's like the coolest thing that I've done so that's my new yeah, favorite like, thing to do right you have to find a way like I think that's perfect to find a way like just to distract yourself for a little bit yeah absolutely and just taking like taking the time away from social media and going and making sure that when you're going out you're out and you're out so that you're not on your phone and you're not just mm-hmm. like taking a yeah. book or yeah. listening to a podcast even or just doing something that isn't repetitively scrolling because I think we're getting into really bad habits of doing that um so I like to Mm -hmm. take my time outside to be completely away from from everything yeah and like in the and the last thing I want to touch on because we know it's about being healthy because everybody's at home and you just want to eat all kind of sexy I'm bad at this one you want to eat all kind of snacks around you have a lot of time to kill these days um so going into the veganism do you have like a favorite vegan dish you can recommend for everybody or favorite like vegan dessert 
Oh, my favorite vegan dessert is vegan cheesecake that you make with tofu. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like mm. my favorite thing. You make it with tofu and you it, it's so nice. There's so many easy vegan um, cheesecake recipes. But my fa- my go-to vegan meal at the minute is just a Buddha bowl, like a really nice rice filled with all the veggies in the world, Buddha bowl. It's been really like satisfying through lockdown. Just like ah, quick and easy go. meals. Yeah, just a Buddha bowl, rice with loads of veg. Um, mm-hmm. and like a nice barbecue sauce that you've made or something like that. <laughs> well, that'll keep, see, I should take that advice. That'll keep me away from all the sweets and stuff I love to eat. <laughs> there we go. Maybe not the cheesecake, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cheesecake. Yeah, you're right. The cheesecake could give you a trouble. <laughs> well, Bethany, it has been a blast talking with you and I'm going to make sure I get on my Nintendo Switch so you don't have to check in on me too much about my gaming. <laughs> Yeah, it's been so lovely to chat to you, honestly. (laughs) And you guys remember, check out Get Even on Netflix and stay tuned. We're going to cross our fingers that we're talking to Bethany again about season two. And all of you guys. uh, Yeah, go ahead. What you got, Bethany? Sound like you're going to say something. Yeah, we're going to keep up. We're going to keep our fingers crossed. Yes, yes. Definitely keep your fingers crossed. Everybody stay safe. Get outdoors. Dance a little bit. And I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.